Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called but of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wecker, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunny Independent. Today I'm at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, where amid all the folding phones and 5G and security fears over Huawei, I've hooked up with a couple of uh, interesting Irish companies. And one of them is Cubic Telecom, which um, people will know from uh, connecting cars, uh, mostly at the moment. And I'm here with the chief executive. Uh, Barry Napier. Barry, is that fair? Is, are you a company that connects cars now? Uh, that's our claim to fame. Uh, not only is it a claim, we've actually started delivering that. So we've now delivered over 2 million vehicles globally at the moment, and we're contracted for another 16 million vehicles. Wow, 16 million vehicles. Now, this, is that all in one group? Is that in the, the Volkswagen group, or do you...? So, no, we've we've expanded outside of the Volkswagen group. So not only do we have their brands such as Seat, Skoda, Lamborghini, Bentley, VW, Audi, Porsche. There's 12 brands. There's Scania Bentley trucks. Bentley in the Volkswagen group? Yes, Bentley's in there oh. as well. Uh, How the mighty have fallen out. <laughs> I don't mean Fallen. Volkswagen's a good group, but, you know, British icon and all that. Anyway, go on. Yeah, so biggest car company in the world, uh, uh, powered and connected by uh, an Irish company, is really, really successful. And I think a couple of really cool, iconic brands that we've won recently is Harley-Davidson. Okay, uh, so we won that with Panasonic. Hang on a second. Harley-Davidson. So how, how would that work on a Harley-Davidson? So Harley-Davidson have now announced that they're going to do an electrical bike. Okay, oh, it's going to come right. out, it's going to come out yeah. this this year in August time frame. So everything about uh, electrical vehicles, electrical mm-hmm. bikes, mm-hmm. Uh, the battery needs to be monitored at all times and mm-hmm. charging stations. So we're providing the connectivity to that solution for Harley Davidson, which is a pretty cool icon. What does that mean? Connectivity to that solution means what? So they will put a module into that uh, motorcycle. It will see where the battery uh, level is at. It will say where the nearest charging stations at. Mm-hmm. It'll do the telematics, so the the health the v- health of the bike. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then also the security updates and software updates to that uh, motorcycle as well. Okay. I, now, if you don't mind me saying so, electric vehicle and Harley Davidson, they don't sort of sit that naturally in my mind. 
Uh, the one thing I would say to you is if, if you look at over Mobile World Congress over the last three, four years, mm. everyone talks about the digital transformation of their company. Yeah. Okay. And that was led very much by Satya Nadella talking about the digital transformation of Microsoft. You, Do see you know what? Now. I'm going to say something about Satya Nadella. I've, I've interviewed him before. He's a fantastic chief executive in terms of what he's done for Microsoft. Many would say he's the best chief executive in Silicon Valley at the moment. I've never come across a more boring interviewee ever. <laughs> And one of the reasons, you know one of the reasons why? He's an engineer. No, that's not the reason why. Uh, the reason is because he keeps talking about transformation, digital transformation. And listen, he walks the walk. I'm not saying he's not effective here. But the amount of times, if I had a penny for every time he uses the word transformation. Anyway, I'm sorry, I was digressing. So tell me about the digital transformation of her. her, her so the one thing I would say to you, uh, segueing from uh, uh, Satya's, uh, he's also done it for Volkswagen. So yeah. Herbert yeah. Dees has now come in and he's talked about the digital transformation. Okay. But they've done a strategic partnership with Microsoft. Mm. And the reason they've done that is they're going with people who've had the ability not to talk about it and do slideware, but show the ability of how they've changed their company. Mm. And Satya has led that change. Mm. So that while you might find it boring, he's an engineer, but he has delivered that transformation. I wouldn't find it boring if I was a shareholder, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, he's done extremely well on that as well. Yeah. But back to the tech. If you look at mm. the tech in relation to Volkswagen, have now announced that they're going to go uh, electrical vehicles with launching fully electrified vehicles. Audi have done the same. And now you're going to see scooters. So I don't know if you've been on the West Coast, you've seen Lime and you've seen Bird yeah. scooters. They're all uh, little electric scooters that you can just hire. And then you see people now want these, this. When we say scooters, what we're really talking about are things that look like push scooters, but that are actually electrified. Correct. Little battery built in, do about 16 kilometers. Yep. They're all connected. So you use an app. Uh, our, our type of technology is in there, but we need a global company like a bird to come to us. Mm -hmm. So they're using a local uh, person or a, a local company in the US to do it. But if you look now at global companies like Harley Davidson, mm -hmm. so they need a global solution that they can be manage their devices through one SKU or two SKUs for different regions. Uh, they can have an engineering portal that Cubic has designed mm -hmm. that they can manage their fleet when they're out there. They can see where they are, what the health of the battery is like and how the bike is performing. Okay. So this is, as everyone does their digital transformation they need a digital par partner with a proven track record mm -hmm. so there's lots of companies that do slideware and say that they're the best cubic has shown not only delivery partnering with the best but we've now shown execution in over probably about 94 markets that we've shown that we've connected the device we manage that device and that device is normally available. i like the way you say about 94 markets like not about 100 markets no. or about 50, about 94 about 94, markets. You about have, 94. It's not about we, it's probably, we haven't hit 100 yet okay um do you think that uh you mentioned lime and bird do you think we we will ever see a time when we'll have a lime or a bird in, in these parts uh, I think, yeah, I think everything goes down to laws and regulation. Uh, I think tax is going to play a, a, a big part, uh, and that's where a, a key area of focus for Cubic over the next three years is Why? tax. Because uh, we see that uh, people have used a roaming solution, and permanent roaming is so where you use an operator in a different country. Normally doesn't work for either a technical reason or a commercial reason that's too expensive. But now we are seeing that those devices are getting made, they're being put into a country, but the tax is not being paid in where that vehicle or device has been used and people are starting to wake up to that that's okay. something that we put into our business plan about four or five years ago and we've worked very closely with the likes of kpmg we've worked with ernst and young in different markets and we've made sure that we are a solution is tax compliant and we register local companies and we work with the local regulator in each country as well <coughs> you mentioned kpmg you mentioned a lot of companies there, Volkswagen. It seems to me that Cubic is is one of the things Cubic is good at is putting itself in the middle of a lot of uh, big companies 
as, for want of a better word, you know, a transformation partner. What, what, how would you describe exactly what it is that Cubic brings to the table? I mean, so like on the face of it, it looks like connectivity, for example, in cars. But there's back-end stuff behind that as well. What, what is Cubic doing here? So everyone thinks connectivity is very simple. So when you wake up in the morning, you connect to your local Wi-Fi, you connect to your house. Everyone forgets of how complex that's to, that is to do, not just in your house. Try doing that in different countries. You have the different speeds, you have different bands on the networks, and then you have different laws and regulation of how how that uh, happens and not one company has ever met that challenge cubic took that challenge on probably about eight nine years ago now and we've started to deliver that in the last four years so the one thing that we do is we solve the issue of having to go to multiple operators multiple partners so we are now really seen as the boutique of being able to deliver a single solution and manage that solution but the one thing about a boutique for us is we've shown execution we did it with the biggest car company in the world we've now done it with microsoft we announced that last week with the biggest software company in the world so for us, is those big companies are looking for a real simplistic but a trusted partner. Mm. They can do and just with. with Microsoft, you might explain to me how that will work. So Microsoft uh, obviously have set up Azure. Azure is their cloud infrastructure and cloud platform. Uh, they compete against the likes of AWS or the likes of IBM or the likes of Oracle. Everyone is really going after that cloud business. And Microsoft have been very successful because of the solution that they provide is that they don't want to own the data, control the data. They work very closely with you. We took that approach back with Microsoft back in 2011. So they've been an excellent partner for us. And as we scale our business and they scale their business, everyone forgot about connectivity. So they are doing IoT devices, they are doing cars, they're doing planes, they're doing absolutely everything. But you they say forgot. they're doing cars and planes. So they're, you, they're you mean the like a system like a CarPlay? Yeah, system. so they've launched MCVP, which is their car platform. But is, they is that like CarPlay? Uh, no, no. It, it's a bit more like doing like a telematic solution. So the opening of the doors, the tracking and tracing of oh, the vehicle, right. uh, the digital assistant and, and everything. And they've really taken this space very, very seriously. Uh, and some have tried and failed. And Microsoft have really gone back in to said, no, no, we want to succeed in this. Mm. Uh, everyone then forgets about the connectivity layer. Because they think, you know, let's just put a SIM card in or let's just go mm. to an operator. But it's very complex when you try to do that on a global solution. And then when you go to a manufacturer, they don't want you to go and have 40 or 50 or 80 different SKUs. They just want that problem solved for them. And again, Cubic has shown, and, uh, shown the delivery of that with the VW Group. Uh, we've won, as I said to you, Harley-Davidson. Uh, we've also won McLaren. So I think there's some really, really cool companies that we've run. on the road. Yeah. So, but again, it's again showing again yeah. that we've been able to deliver to an iconic brand. And, and each one of these are a trusted partner. They've come in and they see, yes, this mm. is really, really good for us. I remember talking to you a couple of years ago. And back then, you were thinking about different uh, products and services that Cubic might offer in the future. One of them at the time was the, that laptops, for example, might have embedded SIMs. How, how has that kind of rollout or in the industry gone? Uh, if you were someone sitting in Microsoft, uh, you'd say, please don't set Barry off again about right. laptops. So it's something that we're not giving up. But we honestly believe that uh, the operating system of a laptop or a tablet should have connectivity built in. So the first thing you, you see with any executor for anybody when mm. they get off a plane, you did when you landed here is you update mm. to see what your calendar update is or your ca or your contacts list is like. That should just be built into the operating system for simple functions. And that's something that we're still pushing very, very hard with. It's massively complex to do. 
is what I would say to you. It's definitely on a global scale. But this is something that every time I'm in with Microsoft showing that I've done a win, mm. I still pop over to the window side of the house and Our, say to them, hey, let's yeah. have a look at this again. Are big manufacturers, and I'll include Microsoft in that term, are they afraid, afraid's the wrong word, but is their reluctance or their hesitancy so far to go into that is that more about just the complexity of doing it or which they traditionally wouldn't be afraid of because they've got so many developers or are they worried that that gives too much control and leverage maybe to operators at a basic level that they're they're handing over they're sort of seeding a, a, a fundamental part of how their system works to connectivity which is by default controlled by operators I, I think there's two-fold answer to that. I think one is I think the fear of operators, that needs to be negated now. The operators shouldn't be feared. They spend billions on their license. They spend billions on their infrastructure. They're the same as any other commercial business. They're mm. entitled, to, entitled to a return on their investment. I think the challenge comes of which operator you pick. So being the, someone like a Microsoft or someone, if you pick operator A over operator B, then well, why was operator B not good enough? So I think that's where the challenge comes from Microsoft, but that's where the solution of Cubic comes. So mm. we are seen as the Switzerland uh, in the mobile space. Uh, we're very, very agnostic to any operator. We'll either have some in our portfolio or bring your own operator in. The operator uh, community has really seen us as a trusted voice now and a trusted software partner. And that's where we're seen in so, that space. Uh, like I have an, an iPad Pro, for example, one of the LTE versions. And what I use it for in America, for example, is uh, for uh, data connectivity because data is so damn expensive in America. I was there last week. I went to look at a SIM card, $90 for five gigabytes. No thanks. So I just used the, uh, I think there was a special deal from T-Mobile for $10 for five gigabytes for the week, which was absolutely fine. But that that's, a, I think that's a soft SIM actually built into the uh, iPad. But other um, tablets and a few other machines have that kind of a solution. Is that what you're kind of you're going towards ultimately? For us, as I said to you, we'd like to try and get into the operating system that certain functions have connectivity in there, mm. so that likes of your calendar should have connectivity and be able to be mm. updated. Mm. Uh, not about sending large files or watching videos. That's something that you really need to buy a bundle or attach that bundle to your operator bill that you have. I think well, roaming is coming to yeah. an end in one sense uh, where. Uh, permanent roaming is banned in certain Europe, countries yep. uh, and it's going to happen more and more and more. Do you think that's going to happen more yeah, internationally? Yeah, I think uh, what's happened you'll see in the operator community uh, especially with devices and IoT is where they've been putting IoT devices mm. or other types of devices onto partner networks at really, really ridiculously low rates. Mm. And the issue that is that's taking up space, it's an activation, a license point within their in infrastructure and there's just no return on that investment. Mm. So now that's the reason you're seeing permanent roaming coming in. So where people offer cheaper rates, so you can get cheaper rates off one partner than you can off another on their own network. And then mm. you're competing against themselves as mm. such. I think that's the reason permanent roaming is coming in, as, well, as well as the laws and regulation part. Mm. And what about 5G? Because that's one of the big themes here in Barcelona, Mobile World Congress. Everybody's talking about it. Um, some are spoofing, but some are actually uh, rolling out network uh, and services if the latency and the the greater flexibility and greater bandwidth that, that everybody's talking about with 5g is a reality then why wouldn't you be able to uh, add video and more data intensive stuff into the basic a basic operating system as you're talking about um why would it just have to be a calendar or or simple tech stuff 
Because I think it's the consumption of the data, first of all. So to update your calendar or your contacts is only uh, tiny kilobytes, if even a megabyte. Uh, videos have been gigabytes or yeah. high definition, and people want better quality now. And that if you want better quality, you have to pay for it. I think 5G is an excellent example of what's coming in the future. Uh, While you say some are bluffing about it currently, you know, it's a big infrastructure play. Okay, and then where's your return on investment? LTE has really only kind of gone across Europe uh, successfully Mm. over the last three or Mm. four years. And now if you think about it, if you if you go back to when we met when I was doing Apple distribution and Nokia distribution Mm -hmm. 10, 15 years ago, and it was 2G and there was WAP. Mm. If you look at where the services are coming, the operators have to get a return for that infrastructure. And then if you put in 5G, 5G is not the same as LTE because it's far denser needed. So is the coverage going to be the same? Is it only going to be a city coverage? Are you going to get it on the M50, you know, up and down? Are you going to get on the M7? What was interesting about that is it appears, certainly in Ireland, that the normally when the 3G and 4G were rolled out and the basic licenses, there were always fairly strict stipulations as to popular, population coverage, how much, uh, how, how many people you actually had to reach with that network. That is largely absent for what they're calling 5G at the moment, which is um, like they, they released a chunk of bandwidth there in Ireland uh, last year. Um, uh, or, the, or the year before, rather, uh, the, which is what the networks are using to base a lot of their 5G rollout on. But they don't really have the same um, population coverage. So to your point about, you know, uh, how densely will they build out that network, that seems to be a lot more optional than, for example, the 4G networks or the 3G networks where they had to get to 70, between 70 and 90% um, of population coverage. So it's not clear that we will actually all have, that if you wanted to have a self-driving car that wants to connect uh, and communicate with with masts and poles and, and other architecture uh, around uh, the city that once you leave Dublin, it may not it's work anymore, work. you know? I think the one thing we've seen is, well, we talk about Dublin, uh, Asia have been very aggressive with their 5G rollout, the likes of China and other countries. Mm. So you're going to see the success rates and you're going to see the windfalls in those countries first. That's really going to set the stage for us. Mm. And you look at the likes of Ireland, like LTE is only really getting up there right now that it's right across the nation. Imagine trying to do that now with 5G when you've just started finalizing your LTE rollout. I mean, eventually it's going to happen, though. Correct, sure. yeah. yeah. Surely. It always does. Because, like, I was talking to a friend about this the other day, and we have this ongoing fear about what's going to happen when we're 80 in terms of our car. Are they going to take our cars off us? Because that's what happens. You know, every person faces it with their parents, every person faces it themselves in their lives. And I keep holding out this hope. No, no, it'll be fine when we're 80 because we're going to have self-driving cars and we're just going to be able to, you know, uh, put in our Google Maps. I want to go here. But I still want to go down the country, you know, from time to time. I want to go to Mayo or Kerry or wherever. And I want to think that I'll be able to take my self-driving car down there. And that's going to require probably a nationwide 5G network or something similar. Correct, yeah. Um, Or if you believe President Trump, 6G, which is on the way. (laughs) Um, At that point, by the time I'm 80, that's another 35 years. That's probably 9G at that point, 10G. Um, but But then you're going to see satellite have kicked in by then as well you think 60 and 80% using cellular and then between 40 and 20% fall back onto satellite and those services have already started okay so we're working with a company called Kaimita okay excellent company some Qualcomm executives there uh, and they're doing some great scenarios there and great use cases. We're working with them using a, doing buses in Peru at this moment. Huh. So, uh, so what I happens there? Like, so basically, uh, Peru is very fragmented. Mm. Uh, they want to know where the bus is, the, how many are on the bus. Mm. And, and again, it's 
everything needs to be communicated in real time so they can have those updates. But the cellular network is very fragmented over there, so they're using backhaul through satellite as well mm. to give that end-to-end solution. And Cubic is the partner that they chose to do that. Huh. Okay. So I think there's really good opportunities. I think the one thing, if you look at when we bought a car when we were 20 years of age, was what's the brake horsepower? Does it have air conditioning and electric windows? Now, when the same age group, they're not even buying cars. They want a car share program. Mm. So I think the mentality has really, really changed. But I think it's, if you look at it, everything that we do now is based around connectivity. So mm. when you wake up in the morning, you check to see what the news is, what's going on in your social media, what's going on with the family. Everything is about being connected. And if that's happening now, what are we going to be like in 15 or 20 years? Do you think the car share program idea is going to take off? I I, I think it was at Mobile World Congress or another one of the conferences two years ago. It was BMW or Mercedes. Maybe it was even Audi that uh, had a stand and they they had a a template for this and they were showing off how it might work. And uh, and it was with that age group in mind. Can you see that happening in the next few years? 100%. I see it happening more, especially when I travel in the US. Uh, Mm. You've got Chiro now, which have opened up an app that you mm. if you go to the airport you can leave your car there and someone can rent it for two weeks so it's yeah. not sitting there i think all of these new innovative ideas they are getting traction not only are they getting traction uh with customers but they're getting traction with car companies so you're seeing uh, look at uh, daimler bought uh, yeah. my taxi yeah okay so so they're very much understanding that they need to change their mindsets uh, you saw the car sales were down 4.6 percent yeah. in the last quarter so people aren't buying cars as much as they were because there's these share programs out there or their mindset is they don't need to invest 30 to 50,000 euros in a car uh, sitting outside the door where they can have a car share program and an app. So I think the mindset in the younger generation really has changed. Do you think that that, uh, you clearly do believe that that's, that's happening? My question was going to be, when Uber came about in force about four or five years ago, there seemed to be panic among some of the big car companies for General Motors in particular in the US. And they all started talking uh, much more about this idea of becoming a car as a service. Maybe they went a little bit too far in in, in the rhetoric there, but they, they still, do you think they still, that that see the germ of an idea that a car company in 10 years time won't be something that just sells you a car, but that it actually will be something that uh, is, you know, has a stronger service element. Yeah, I, I, I think the uh, the car companies are all very scared that they don't become a Nokia or something that they, you know, mm. they were the biggest one day in, in three years, Nokia were eliminated. Yeah. Okay. I Remember. think that there is a real fear. Uh, if you look at the car companies, they were a metal press company. They're now a software company. Mm. Uh, if you look at mobile operators, they were a metal company. So they put everything onto servers. They now need to do cloud. Yeah. You know, so there's big, massive digitalization changes within the organizations. I think cars, if you look at it very much so, the people don't know what is the right way to go. But they are traditionally, if you look at two things that we are seeing with the car companies, one is electrification. That's mm. the big thing for all of them. Mm. Uh, you see that with JLR recently. Uh, their losses, you know, they went very heavily after diesel and that's bet against them in mm. China. Uh, I think so that's one thing. And I think software, they really see the differentiator for themselves over the next 10 years is not just going to be engines. It's going to be software mm. and the different types of software solutions that are going into vehicles. The big challenge for all the auto manufacturers is that they've had a gentleman on the, or a lady on the production line making an engine, yeah. okay, uh, and a combustion engine for 15 years. How do you then take that person back in and tell them you now need to become a software engineer? Yeah. That's where the big challenge is. Well, they won't, will they? Because what will happen is they will employ software engineers, but it may not be the same person. And the same thing is going to happen to those production 
workers as probably has happened to every single type of worker that has um, kind of been edged out gradually as things become um, automated and that's probably a different podcast that's 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 a whole thing I'm not as gloomy about that as a lot of people are in terms of you know the robots are going to replace all of our jobs and we'll all be unemployed I, I do think there will be there you know there, there will be other I think but so in then in 10 years time I'm looking at a scenario based on our discussion here where maybe the car in my driveway is something that maybe i own it but maybe i only use it 15 percent of the week and it's returned and somebody else from the estate rents it and drives you know to work in it and maybe it pays for itself so the way i see it is i think you will buy time Mm. i don't think you'll buy a car i think you'll buy a time Mm. that time will be on a certain type of vehicle that you need during your working day uh, and a time allowance on that and then at the weekend you may use a different type of vehicle so i think what will happen is you'll buy let's just say uh, a fiat 500 or a golf or a polo or something to go to work just to go to work yeah okay and you will buy time on that Mm. that will self-drive and then it will go off it'll collect you at different times Mm. so you'll see the Mm. roads for your car parking for your so that social impact will be a Mm. lot better but then i think at the weekends you may want to go surfing so you may want an suv so i think what will happen is that there will be these lots where the cars will just self-drive come and collect you and then Mm -hmm. go back and forth i do think that time is coming i do think that mentality is changing i don't need to spend money and leave an asset depreciating outside my door i think that's where the fear is coming with the automotive it's totally depressing i i changed my car just a few weeks ago and i i knew as i was i drive my car once a week or twice a week and i knew as i was changing it i i knew that um uh, it was going to sit in my car once a week and that was basically throwing you know 20 grand you know (laughs) uh, away effectively but i still did it and maybe that's just because i'm middle-aged now and that's the way the way i think but But it's it's the way we were brought up yeah the difference is the next couple of generations below us think completely differently Mm. and they don't want to spend a huge amount of their capital they want to go enjoy life they want to go on holidays you know what they're right though they're actually right I mean, my car does not bring me as much joy as going off to, you know, Peru would, you know. (laughs) Well, don't mind Peru. I was in Valencia at the weekend Mm. and I flew actually from far and far. Uh, from far and far to Valencia? From, uh, yeah, no, from to far, Barcelona. far and far up to Dublin, then connected to come to Barcelona. Oh, right. It was 16 degrees on Saturday down in uh, Valencia. We were out on the beach. It was absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Why would you then take 20,000 euros and buy a car when you could do that every weekend? Do you know what I'm going to say? You know what I'm going to say? Ironically, we're sitting here at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. As we talk, it's actually warmer in Dublin than it is here in Barcelona. <laughs> They're going through a heat wave. You could have just stayed in Dublin and, and, and had, the, uh, had the time. So um, I uh, we don't have much time left, but um, what do you think is going to happen with Cubic over the next few years? Where where do you see uh, things going? I mean, we, we've talked about a lot of big topics here and big ideas. Um, are you are you you're kind of a big ideas guy? Are you like? thinking about these things i'd like to think that i'm a big ideas guy i was with my previous company bpi we took that Mm. company up to 155 million euros a year revenue Mm. we became the biggest in what we did in ireland as an independent i think that was really really good we had a really strong team and the team were well liked Mm. we're trying to do exactly the same now with cubic on a global scale so 
my team that I work with are absolutely excellent. So mm-hmm. I'm not a tech person, so I'm not an engineer, but yet 80, 85% of my workforce are, mm-hmm. okay? And they're absolutely excellent and they're top class. I think the culture that we have in Cubic has been excellent. I think the one thing, if you look at Cubic, where you came across me when I took over this business, mm-hmm. invested into Groot, we've raised over 75 million from real blue chip investors. The Irish Pension Fund is a prime example of that. For us, the team are very passionate to give a return back to their investors. It's never been about selling the business. It's always been about scaling it and doing it right. So I think we've made really big statements that you know we'll work with the biggest software company in the world. We mm-hmm. said that a couple of mm-hmm. years ago. We've delivered on that. We said we'd work with the biggest car company in the world. We did. We said we'd work with the most innovative car company in the world, Tesla. We did. So the big statements that we make, we actually execute. And I don't think as a company we marketed that really big enough to say, do you know what? They've actually, if they make something and they make a statement to you, be careful. They actually normally deliver it. They have a really high success rate. So I think the one thing for us is we, we're about 130, 135 people now. Uh, it doesn't mean we want to scale to go to 500 people because that's not a thing. But what we want to do is scale our solutions. So we want to get across multiple brands, multiple regions. And that's something that we're not going to stop until we achieve it. Barry Naper, Chief Executive of Cubic Telecom. Thanks very much for talking to us today. And that's all we have time for this week, folks, from Barcelona and Mobile World Congress. This is me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And I will talk to you same time next week. Bye-bye.